This is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work post and podcast. It's about the Grand Fiesta Tour, but it's also about change in its different forms. We look at this nearly 40-year-old attraction to learn how change occurs and how to best address that change. I've called this the Grand Fiasco Tour starring the three cambios. While the root of the word fiasco is flask in Italian, it has also come to literally mean to fail in performance. This perhaps describes well the problem happening to the three caballeros animatronics in the attraction where they are missing because of performance failures. The word cambios comes from the Spanish cambiar, which means to change. There are three places where the dynamics of change can occur. Unexpected change, continuous improvement and change, and anticipated change. Looking at what is happening at Grand Fiesta Tours starring the Three Caballeros, we're going to explore those concepts of change and how we address them. At the end, we'll offer you some complimentary souvenirs for you and your organization as you consider change and how to embrace it. By the way, be sure to check out our Disney at Work post that accompanies this and includes some important images and videos which emphasize the key points we're going to be making. Also, if you like this podcast, we really appreciate you helping out the littlest podcast that ever could by visiting iTunes and giving us a positive rating and review. This helps more people find us out there. Let's talk about unexpected change. We all know what that looks like. We're experiencing during this pandemic. And in my video, I'll show you how Disney deals with it in the queue that leads not only to the attraction, but also to the actual Plaza de los Amigos, or what's inside the Mexico temple. But the theme of this attraction itself, the actual, the actual root of this attraction is based on unexpected change. To set the stage for what was happening at Walt Disney Productions so long ago, long before the Pearl Harbor tragedy of December 7th, 1941, world events were unfolding and impacting even the tiny Disney studios in Burbank, California. European markets were collapsing and they were a source of profit for Disney films like Bambi and Fantasia. If that were not enough, internal strifes and conflicts within Walt Disney's organization led to a strike in early 1941. Because of this, Walt was devastated. He saw himself as a very giving employer who took care of their needs. How could his artists turn against him and go on strike when everyone needed to come together in this uncertain time? Meanwhile, the Nazi and fascist influence of Germany and Italy had stretched well across the European continent, making the U.S. government concerned about its influence on South America. Nelson Rockefeller, coordinator of Inter-American Affairs, approached Walt Disney about doing a goodwill tour. Walt resisted the idea. 
is he simply couldn't envision himself on some ambassadorial tour. Nelson countered by suggesting he go and create a movie down there. The government also offered to cover travel expenses and provide financial support of the pictures they produced. The offer was enough for Roy Disney to encourage Walt to get away from the studio and allow Roy to heal the wounds left open by the strike. Over the duration of this trip, members of the team would see Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, Peru, Colombia, Panama, and Mexico. The ultimate result of the trip revolved around two films, Saludos Amigos and The Three Caballeros, the latter being the larger influence behind Grand Fiesta tours starring the Three Caballeros. Here, Donald represents the U.S., Jose represents Brazil, and Pedro represents, um, or Panchito represents Mexico. The work had a positive effect not only on North and South American relations, but on helping the Walt Disney Production Studio recover from a bitter strike. Moreover, it has become the center of this attraction here at Epcot. None of this would have happened if unexpected, even terrible, uncontrolled events hadn't happened. But they did, and embracing the change rather than refuting them that made circumstances only improve. Like World War II or the pandemic, you may not be able to anticipate change, but you can, in times of change, create an outcome as favorable as possible. In other words, make lemonade out of lemons. The second kind of change, having talked about unexpected change, let's talk about continuous improvement and change. Uh, nothing is perfect. And most change happens uh, as you go along. In fact, in my work, I talk about the concept of 80-20, meaning that you should get to an 80% completion point, then put it out there and fix the remaining 20% afterwards. It keeps you from stalling out by planning and replanning and planning again, when in reality, you just need to get it out there and then tweak it as you go along. There's also a phrase, ready, fire, aim. This rephrasing of ready, aim, fire is one where you recognize that you may not hit the target until you fire at it. Too many times people never get out of the gate because they're constantly aiming, waiting for the perfect moment, which simply may not come. Therefore, get yourself ready, shoot towards your target, fire away, and then readjust yourself as you go along. Continuous improvement is an intentional form of change. That change can come in big and small ways. One small example example in Grand Fiesta Tour is the load-unload canal, where your boat returns so you can disembark. Because of safety concerns, those boats can sometimes get stuck, thereby blocking everyone else from moving forward on the path. To allow for this, there was a small path originally placed to the right of the canal that would allow passengers to exit in case the boat at the disembark station became stuck. The problem with this walkway 
was that guests who had come to a stop waiting for the boat ahead to be disembarked would think they needed to get out as well and would start to exit to the right. This was very dangerous, very unsafe, as their boat could easily begin to move in time, at any time. There were audio announcements and signs put out from the beginning to, remain, to remind guests to remain seated until returning to the dock. But people either didn't see or hear it, or they just didn't understand the language. Eventually, someone came up with the smart idea of placing stanchions that could be lowered in the case of emergency when guests needed to be exited prior to the disembarkation point. They added images of Panchito, Jose, and Donald to better theme them. Um, it's a small example of continuous improvement. Many of what are continuous improvement efforts go unseen to the guests, such as a software or technology upgrade. But some continuous improvement can be much more noticeable. The move to change Rio del Tiempo into Grand Fiesta Tour is perhaps the most obvious. The move to add the three audio animatronic characters to the show is another. While a few people out there still miss Rio del Tiempo, continuous improvement is usually a positive thing, especially at Disney. By the way, do you remember what was in its place prior to um, the three caballeros being put into that position? It had always been um, ancient times and then colonial times and then modern times in the attraction. But in the modern times, what you had were these piñata puppets, life-size, in a kind of carousel movement. It was kind of freaky looking and kind of suggested, in my view, that Mexican people were puppets to um, their current or modern government. Certainly, it was, in my view, an improvement just to put a focus on something else other than those original um, scenes. Um, so sometimes continuous improvement, or oftentimes, can be a very positive thing, especially at Disney. Some are fairly well received, like the move from Maelstrom to Frozen Ever After. I know there are a few of you who miss Maelstrom, but if you really analyze that, you, you realize that there are a lot of positive things that have come out of that change. Even if you don't necessarily like their animatronics, or you don't like particularly the movie Frozen, the fact that they reconfigured how the queue moved to a more thematic setting, how they created one place to um, board and or to load and unload, how they used that um, sp space between the current load unload space and the former um, uh, load space. I mean, and taken the old load space and made it into part of the attraction. I mean, there's a lot of brilliant things they have done under the theme of continuous improvement. On that note, however, there are also misses. Uh, Journey to Imagination, I'm looking at you. But that said done, Walt Disney once said, quote, Disneyland will never be finished. It is something that I can keep developing, keep plussing and adding to. It will be a living, breathing thing that will always keep changing. Not only can I add new things, but even the trees will keep growing. Disneyland will get more beautiful every year. End of quote. That's a 
that's an opposite view from his challenge with filmed entertainment. Once you put it in the can, once you put the reel in the can, there was no changing the reel. It went out, and that was the movie people saw. You couldn't plus it up, you couldn't make it better. And plussing things up is what Disney loves to do. It is at the heart of continuous improvement. And so much of what is happening at Epcot is about continuous improvement. And it happens in small ways and it happens in very large ways. Continuous improvement and change can be powerful to helping you and your organization. The third kind of change that I want to talk about is anticipated change. When Expedition Everest opened in 2006, the Yeti was perhaps the most complicated um, built animatronic at that time. It was also one of the largest, though large animatronics had been built for Sinbad's storybook uh, journey. Um, the giant, the bird, and the whale. But this Yeti was designed not to just gently move or blink its eyes. It was designed, it was intended to take a swing at you. It was supposed to be very, very lifelike and very alive. Not too long after it opened, well, it began to have problems. This change was unexpected, as Joe Rody related as he addressed the issue, quote, it's not an issue of maintenance access. They were part of the design team and set the standard. In fact, it was seen as a model collaborative process. It's an unexpected and unforeseen set of issues, very complex with no easy or timely solutions as of yet, end of quote. That's why now when you go through, um, yeah, you get a blinking light effect and a lot of roar, but you really don't get a moving Yeti. It's interesting because I actually had some friends um, that went on the attraction that had never been on Expedition Everest before. And I said, what did you think of the Yeti? Oh, that was cool. They had no idea that the Yeti was broken. Um, somehow, for guests who really don't know what's going on behind the scenes, it looks fine. It looks okay. For those of us who are fans, it's it's just a continual reminder of what needs to be fixed. And by the way, I have been in there um, behind the scenes and I've seen the Yeti without its fur on, skin or fur, however you want to put it. It is an amazing animatronic figure in terms of its configuration. It was actually built, the attraction was built on three foundations. One, a foundation for the mountain, two, a foundation for the roller coaster, and three, a foundation just for the Yeti because it is so heavy and so complex. And yet for all of its complexity and all of the design effort, it still has problems. This became known as the Yeti effect. When an attraction is so dependent on a key animatronic, you just got to have a backup plan for that. Otherwise, you affect the overall attraction experience. The Yeti effect was the result of our first form of change we spoke of, unexpected change. But what happened thereafter was to create attractions where key animatronics had easy to institute backups. 
So when Kylo Ren goes down at the end of Rise of the Resistance, if you remember that attraction, if you've had a chance to be on it, Kylo Ren shows up in several places. But at the very end, sorry if this is a spoiler alert, but you would have guessed that Kylo Ren is after you, right? So at the end, Kylo is determined to destroy you when a large part of the ship falls in front of him and prevents him from being able to um, to essentially destroy you. And so, and so um, what they have done as a result is that they have, there is a large porthole to the side of this animatronic. And in, when the animatronic is working, what you see are spaceships firing away at each other. It's just part of the whole, the war and effect that's going on. But when Kylo Ren goes down at the end of the Rise of Resistance, Operations has the ability to put him in the cockpit of a ship. In, um, in other words, they play a different movie outside of this porthole. And, and in this very cool moment, you see him in a TIE fighter trying to attack you when he's bumped, bumped away by, um, by another ship blasting at him and you are able to make your escape. I actually have the video of that moment and uh, you definitely have to check it out. It's on my Disney at Work post for this podcast. It's a very cool, very cool effect. Another one of these um, effects, so to speak, as it relates to um, the Yeti effect is with the Shaman of Songs in Navi River Journey. Um, This is the most advanced animatronic Disney has created. It is the highlight of the attraction. It's the only animatronic. It's like Three Caballeros. It's really the only real animatronic. And so it's pivotal to the experience. And being pivotal, um, it's got to work, right? Well, it's the most advanced. It should work, right? But you know what? Even the most advanced animatronic is going to have problems. So what do you do when she doesn't work? You slide her back, you pull down a screen, and that shows her image, projects an image of her in action. You can actually see it. Again, I have that video as well, and you can see it at the 311 mark where you actually sail past, and it's just an image of her doing her thing. And again, in like the other situation with Rise of the Resistance, if you've never seen the attraction, uh, you probably wouldn't even know that there was something wrong here, something was missing, or something was down. But here's the challenge to Grand Fiesta. It's not a brand new attraction um, like Navi River Journey or Rise, nor is it even an e-ticket attraction like Expedition Everest and Rise. It only has three high-functioning audio animatronics, the three caballeros themselves. Uh, mind you, there are limited animatronic children or um, skeletons from Dia de los Muertos out in the colonial scene. But honestly, first of all, those are very limited in their behavior. And so they don't even really sing. There's no mouth movement. So you can't call them an audio animatronic. And frankly, um, if one of them was taken out because uh, one had broken apart, you wouldn't notice it because the others are all standing there. It's like small world. It's in it's a small world. 
There are so many dolls that you just simply can take three or four or five at a time out and refurbish them, put them back in, and you don't notice it because the other hundred are still there. Um, but here in Three Caballeros, uh, you notice these three guys. They are the centerpiece of the attraction. Maybe it's not an e-ticket attraction, but it's still an attraction and they are the climax of the ride. If they're not working, you notice, especially when painted wood, wooden cutouts are put in their place. Beautifully done wooden cutouts, but really, cutouts. That is not a replacement. Now, this is probably the most frustrating aspect. It would seem to me that a Yeti effect should have been thought of some time ago. Indeed, two viable solutions have been put in place or been available for some time. First of all, when the attraction first opened as Grand Fiesta Tour in 2007, it didn't have animatronics. It had a beautiful, colorful, whimsical animation scene on the screen of the bowl, very similar to the style of the original uh, animated sequence that Mark Davis had done for the Three Caballeros. There was this whole cartoon scene. Again, I show an image of this. And honestly, it was very entertaining as you sailed past. It wasn't the animatronics, but it was very entertaining. So where is this film? Why isn't this put back while you take the time to fix the characters? The fact that it isn't standing as a backup suggests that somebody didn't take the time back then to anticipate what it would mean to the attraction if one or more of the three characters were not working. To me, that is the most un-Disney thing I can think of. Not anticipating things that could very likely happen and could make an impact on the experience. In fact, when the animatronics were first put out there, which happened, I think, around uh, 2011, I wondered why they just didn't keep the film playing in the background. I think it was rear projected anyway. Um, if you put the film in the background and had the characters in front, it would have looked all the more whimsical because there's so much dynamic movement to the animation scene that was done there. But this gets even worse. Not only do they not have a backup film in place in the same way that the Yeti, you know, you pull down the Yeti and there's a cart, there's an image of the Yeti, or not the, not the Yeti, but the shaman. Um, not only do they not have a backup film in place, they don't have any backup animatronics. Now that might sound expensive, especially for an attraction that's not an e-ticket, but not really. Many fans know that these three caballeros came from the Mickey Mouse review, which closed in 2009 at Tokyo Disneyland. It originally ran in Magic Kingdom um, and was an opening attraction at the Magic Kingdom in 1971 and was later replaced by uh, Mickey's Filler Magic well, and, and the Lion King uh, experience before that. But I'm getting off track. What most people don't know or remember from the Mickey Mouse review was that there was not one, but three sets of animatronic 
three caballeros. In the Mickey Mouse Review Show, they had them sing all together, but then the lights went out and they reemerged, popped up, so to speak, at different points from theater balconies. Yes, there are three, not one, not two, but three sets of three caballeros. And I put in a video, you definitely got to see this. In fact, if you've never seen the Mickey Mouse Review, you should see that. But at the key point that I've shown in the, uh, that I've marked it at in the video, you will see the three caballeros start to sing and all of a sudden it goes dark and you see them pop up in different places. Panchito and Jose pop up, then Donald, and then, um, and then in another place, Donald reemerges, and then Panchito and Jose. There are three versions of these three caballeros in animatronics form. So this is my frustration. Long before a pandemic, why wasn't a plan put in place that would anticipate the day and moment, pandemic or not, when one or more of these characters needed downtime. This is the Disney difference, or should be. Paying attention to details others wouldn't have the time and budget to do. And in this instance, it didn't take much money because they already had a backup film and they already had backup animatronic characters. Maybe they needed to be tweaked, maybe a part needed to be moved or whatever, but my golly, they have backups and they're not being used. Instead, we have wooden flats. To reemphasize the heritage of this important detail and how Disney should be doing things different, let me share with you the experience of Alice Davis, a former Imagineer and the wife of Mark Davis, who originally created the Three Caballeros on film. She understood anticipating change. When Pirates of the Caribbean was originally under construction at Disneyland, she was asked to make the costumes. Um, she made them strong enough to not only prevent wear and tear. Um, in fact, she says, I put, quote, I put lining and inner lining in all the coats for Pirates, even though everyone said I didn't need them for them to look good. But it wasn't so much for them to look good. It was so they would last a long time because the machines wear the clothes out from the inside. That, end of quote, that is anticipating the challenge. So she made them even better. But even more so, she, this is how she anticipated. And this, Mark shares this, and then I'll share what she said about it. Quote from Mark Davis, two or three months after the attraction, which is Pirates of the Caribbean, had opened, there was a fire in the fire scene sequence. It burned up several of the figures. It was the most gruesome thing you'd ever seen in your life. The heat melted everything. The faces were all melted. The glass eyes were there instead of muscles. They had wires and things down their arms. It was incredible. The thing was, Alice had earlier wanted to make several costumes at the time. She was told not to. Well, quote, well, if you need to do that later, we'll worry about it then, end of quote. Then Alice Davis shares the following. Well, they now make three costumes, and I had asked them to make two. And earlier they said, well, just make one, and when the ride's finished, you can go ahead and make the others. Well, I knew damn good and well they wouldn't. So I made the three patterns, I made the extra, and I had the carpenter make a cabinet for me that was hidden that nobody could see. 
Well, the fire hit and Dick Irvine came running out to me and he said, oh my God, Alice, what are we going to do? He said, how long is it going to take you to make costumes and get the hats done so we can reopen this show? Because we can't reopen the show until we have the costumes. And I said, well, Dick, it takes a week or two to make those hats. He said, oh, we have to make, we have to shut down the ride for that long a time. And I said, no, if you give me one of those guys from Mapo to come over with the fishing pole, I'll make holes in the hats and you can have the costumes and hats within half an hour. And he looked at me and he said, what? And I said, I know you're not going to like hearing this, but I told you, you were going to need two costumes in case something happened. You wouldn't listen to me. So I went ahead and made them anyway. He said, you mean you've got two costumes for every figure out there? And I said, yes, here they are. And I showed him. He couldn't get angry with me because he needed them. He didn't know whether to hit or hug me. End of quote. Mark Davis would later say, oh, she saved the day. She was really something and the business people couldn't understand it. Earlier, they had come to her and said, how many yards of material do you need? And she gave them the numbers, but unbeknownst to them, she doubled it. So her girls were sewing two instead of one. And there was no problem at all. I think this is absolutely a marvelous, marvelous situation. Within 24 hours, the attraction was open and running as usual. End of quote. My friends, that is the diff Disney difference. That's what separates world-class organizations from the rest. And my angst, my angst about this event with Grand Fiesta Tour is that it suggests to me that we are not doing enough to anticipate change. By the way, I have a video on uh, that I've created that shows all of it right now as the Grand Fiasco Tour starring the three um, cambios. You can see it now to see how it all plays out. And, uh, and be sure to note not only the queue that's had to be adapted during the pandemic and how it affects things, but the end canal scene where they're using stanchions to block people from getting off the boats. And then, of course, the finale scene with the cutouts. The total effect is emblematic of how we deal with and anticipate change for the good or better. Well, as always, this is not about Disney. It's really about you and your organization. Take these complimentary souvenirs back to your own place of business. Ask yourself, what is your attitude toward unexpected change. How do you take lemons and make lemonade? What has the pandemic taught you about dealing with unexpected change? If the pandemic were to repeat itself again, what would you do differently in responding to those changes? Next, ask yourself, what does continuous improvement look like in big and small ways? What processes can you put in place to allow for continuous improvement and change?
What experiences have you had that suggest you might need to anticipate changes ahead? How do you budget time and money to anticipate expected change? And finally, how do you set yourself apart in the marketplace by being more agile to change? Well, that does it for the Grand Fiasco Tour starring the Three Cambias. We are glad you joined us and uh, we hope that we brought something that could benefit you and your world. By the way, if you want more of these great ideas, you definitely have to check out the Wayfinder Society. It's our Patreon site for Disney fans. We're offering a new program where you have the opportunity to enjoy exclusive offerings from Disney at Play and Disney at Work. Here, we are intended to give you new insights to all things Disney, whether it's work or play. I think you're going to love it. There are different levels to join and different interactive apps that you get as a result of joining. From Pirates of the Caribbean across the globe to Pandora World of Avatar to our very new Walt Disney World 50th Anniversary Interactive Tour. Depending on the level you choose, you get to experience all these fantastic things Disney-wide uh, with regard to being a fan, but also Disney at work ideas that you could take back to your own business. And by the way, all of the, um, uh, all of, when you uh, contribute to our Patreon Society, a portion of your contribution goes to helping all the good folks at Embrace Celebration who are dedicated to helping Disney cast members and others who are unemployed during this time of change. So visit our uh, Wayfinder Society site and learn more. Check it out. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.